Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Before we get started with another great edition of the Duke Rosslyn podcast, I do want to let you know, Zencaster.com. That's right, Zencaster.com. They are, without a doubt, my favorite website to head over to for all of these great conversations that you hear on the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast. Superior quality and sound. Also, they have a great uh, video option as well if you need to record your videos. But the best part about it is the files are all split separately into MP3s. So you can edit them separately, you can put them together, do whatever you got to do. The main idea is Zencaster. Zencaster.com, that's Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R. For all of your podcasting, video conferencing, even if you just want to uh, have a great conversation with your loved ones. All your needs there online for communication, Zencaster has you covered. That's right. Sisters and brothers, stop the presses. Brad Shepard is back with a new podcast. Check this commercial out. He's taking the gloves off. He's talking in depth about pro wrestling, sports, pop culture, trending topics on social media, politics, and his crazy life. He's uncensored. He's unapologetic. He's media personality Brad Shepard. And he's unleashed. Brad Shepard Unleashed. Exclusively on Hameen Media Group. To the only show that matters. The cream of the crop. Duke loves wrestling. And there is no one that does it better than your host. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. The Duke. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Welcome back to Duke Loves Wrestling, the show about pro wrestling and everything else. What is going on, folks? You know, I, I got my uh, got my morning voice. It's a little early this morning here. Got my morning voice going as I sip on my Panera Bread coffee. I went with the light roast today. Definitely need to pick me up. It's been a wild, long week. You ever have that? You know, you got that morning voice where you, you kind of sound tired. It's a little bit deeper than normal and what have you there. And, and it's I've, I've crossed over, though. I'm at that point now where it's not too bad. Now, first thing in the morning, it's like, woof, who the hell is that? Doesn't even sound like me. But now I'm, I'm getting there. I'm settling in. And hopefully you are as well. Folks, we have an exciting episode this week. And, and I want to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop a little bug in your ear here. How much do you care about the, the health, the safety, the overall well-being of wrestlers and other personalities within the wrestling industry? How much do you really care? That's something I want you to, to stew on and, and, and really consider. I'm going to be unpacking that a little later in the episode. But before I get to any of that, let me tell you something. I got a guy who has a very unique story, at least unique to me. A man on, by the name of EJ, the host of the Earnestly Speaking podcast. And he's a real sharp dude. But interesting story here. He took a 17-year hiatus from watching pro wrestling on a consistent basis. Think about that. He started when he was a kid, 
took some time off. Uh, now, recently, he's come back, but 17 years. What a gap. So this is a really, really interesting conversation that I want folks to hear because I think you'll enjoy it. So without further ado, EJ from the Earnestly Speaking podcast. Check it out. Uh, my name is Ernest Christian. I am the host of the Earnest Speaking podcast as well as the Take 3 Wrestling podcast. I'm on Twitter at EJ Christian 7. And uh, yeah, <laughs> that's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> well that's that's a good start yes, that's sir. a good start ej listen man you know you're somebody who i've um interacted with a lot on twitter absolutely and really enjoy our interactions you're a sharp dude thank you, thank you, so you, you know something man come, come on the show come on the show let's let's really uh chop it up here so let, let's start with the two podcasts because <clears throat> you're you're coming on your your 10-year anniversary that you just celebrated here. i mean talk to me about that man. yeah what, so, what's the story so my my podcast first podcast podcast i started that back in august of 2011 um way way back <laughs> she's like eons ago and that show was initially just a sports podcast only sports and through the years, you know, obviously you had a lot of evolution in the show. We had a radio show for a while, like in between that. And then, um, you know, in, in recent years, especially, you know, as life happens, you get married, you have children, you have a family and, you know, things happen. And, you know, your interests change and, you know, that's a change. It also, you, you gain more interest and more more things you're into. And the show turned into this from a sports show to really just a variety show. Like Now, granted, I would I would dare say most of the content is sports related but uh you know as i've gotten older you, you can hear a lot more of my personal st stuff on there i talk about my, my, my kids i talk about mental health i talk about you know politics and music and things of that nature and things that, that things that i'm interested in and i i feel like now more than more than any time i've been doing this podcast i've i'm, I'm in a place where i'm very happy and satisfied um in, in the content and what i'm doing that's pretty cool that's pretty cool i mean you know with, with Duke loves wrestling. I'm coming up on my sixth year yes. um, doing brother. this, and and I've it, it, I appreciate that. I appreciate, it. And, and you as you know, it's not easy. I mean, the fact that you've been doing it ten years. Let me ask you a question yeah. because I, I know a lot of people who are interested in po in uh, podcasting or who actually have podcasts yes. and who are just trying to find their way. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I find myself bringing back information and mentoring yeah. other podcasters and what have you. When would you say was the moment where you felt like you finally hit your stride and you you really understood your sound, you understood how to market what you're doing? When did you get to the point where it's like, okay, this is I, I actually know what I'm doing now. Now I can really make some moves. Probably a couple of years getting to it before I started getting like feeling good about what I was doing. But at the same time, as I said, I, I've I've gone through so many phases of the show. You know, I, I this this when I get to a point where I'm like I'm I'm doing it one way. You know, you get other ideas and you start tweaking the formats a little bit and you start tweaking other things. And, you know, and so it's always ever changing. It's always evergreen in the show. Like you'll you'll see different ideas coming into the show. Like, for example, like all of a sudden now, you know, I'm trying to balance the content out now. So what I've done this this fall, um, as I started doing a football podcast on the on the feed. Once a week, I take all my personalities I bring on the show. You know, we do power rankings. We do, you know, my, my, my friend Kyle, for example, come on the show and he'll uh, 
do the you know the biggest news of the week and we just discuss that thing out and then we and my buddy zach who's been on the show since the very beginning and we do our picks of the week and stuff and we kind of try to keep everything condensed to one you know episode because it's football you know football is a big it's a big part of the show especially too because i want to leave space for other things too for my solo podcast so i talk about things i want to talk about and then other guests i bring on the show too that talk about anything i mean if you go through my, my feed you'll see there are guests on music publicity publishing uh uh, writers to you know to wrestling personalities to you know you name it my 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 wife will come on the show once in a while we'll talk about tv shows we're binging at a time and you know it, it's such a environment now where it's just you know it's it's a free-for-all and I, and, I, and I love that i love not having restrictions on what i want to say and what i'm talking about and it's great i'll talk, I'll, I'll talk politics i got my buddy mark francois I've been on my show for a long time too for almost nine years and him and i talk politics all the time on the show what about your 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 fan base? I mean, as far as your your core listening audience, has that evolved in any way, yes. or for the most part, are you capturing who you wanted to capture from the beginning? Yeah, no, no, but, but yeah, it, it has gotten more more diverse, especially to in recent years. Um, now, now, granted, there'll be a lot of sports fans who are like enough of the politics talk, and some people. There's one friend of mine who loves the show, but he says, you know, I love your show except when I talk about wrestling. He's not a big wrestling guy. I get it. You know, there's some things uh, that people are going to hear they're not going to like. But the 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 thing is, there is something for everyone here at the end of the day. You know, and I, I try to keep making bring enough space for everybody to, to have a seat at the table to be able to hear what I'm talking about. You know, and I try to really I try to balance it, especially too. you know, because obviously there's, there's still a major sports connection with the crowd I talk to on the show. You know, I love my sports takes and my guests and whatnot. So I still, you know, sports is still definitely, I would say definitely. 50 percent of the content that's, that's on the show but like i said there's, there's, there's a lot more balance now than it's ever been on this podcast and in, in the 10 years we've been doing it you know what i mean now granted also people who don't like the wrestling talk especially i do have my own wrestling podcast um i do it with my friends mike and, and joe um shout out to those guys of course um we, which we started about two years ago um and uh that's that's our you know that's something that we, us three started and you know we what we do we bring uh each of us bring a, a take once a week we, we talk about it for 20 30 minutes you know per take plus other things and they're sprinkled in the rest of the week and you know what does joe love this week because joe's a, joe's a very interesting personality he's a, he's a he's a great he's great on his podcast and things especially too and uh we, we we try to keep it you know light and stuff too so that's that, that's another hub for the wrestling fans and, and whatnot and those guys especially too are passionate about wrestling too they've gone to every wrestlemania for the last 10 11 years outside last year's of course because that was in the pc um and but they've they 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 are hardcore wrestling fans. And for me, it's funny because I've been a wrestling fan for thirty plus years. But I took a seventeen year hiatus from the current product from two thousand two to two thousand nineteen. So I got back into it recently in the last two years. And it's funny how I got back into it too because you know while I always loved the old stuff, the Hulkamania years and whatnot, you know that kept me at bay. That that kept me my kept, that actually kept me had a, a toe in the water. And then eventually I started, you know, listening to a lot of the Conrad Thompson podcasts and whatnot. And before, you know, you start hearing about guys that are currently, you know, on, on the current uh, roster in WWE, for example, Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins. And you're like, oh, okay, I, I know these guys. I heard these guys before or whatever. And then all of a sudden I got the push to try watching the current product. And like I said, it was such a culture shock for me because growing up in the Hulkamania era, Going through that, going through the new gener- next new generation, and then going through the Attitude Era, you know, and, and you see wrestling today. It's it's a lot different in just the way, not just the product itself, but also just the way that it's shown to the public and how people react to it now. 
But I got to tell you, the, the in-ring product today is, is, is the best it's ever been, in, in my opinion. The in-ring product, in terms of in the ring, the best I've ever seen it in the 30 years I've been watching. So, You know, that's, that's a very, very interesting and, and balanced take that you have yeah. there. Really, really, really curious about this, though. You said that you took a 17-year yeah. hiatus from yeah. the product. So I want to I want to bring us close to what period of time you're talking about. Is this the beginning of John Cena becoming world champion, or is that is it right around that? Point? No, actually. So so I, I can tell you, I can tell you exactly where I stopped, and it wasn't because I didn't like the product because I was still watching it. <laughs> but you know, I said I, I, 2002, I was 22 years old. I'm 41 now. 2002, I was in a band. I was doing music. I was busy doing you know dating girls and all this stuff. You name it. Uh, so life happens, you know what I'm saying? Because not only just wrestling, that stopped. I stopped watching wrestling a lot that, that time, but even sports in that time for a little while, even sports wasn't priority either for me. Um, in the same way, I, I was so busy doing other things outside the home. Um, so I stopped pretty much right after Mania 18, Rock Hogan. Granted, I always checked in a little bit here and there to see what's going on. Like you, I knew who John Cena was. I saw Edge's push in the 2000s. I, I, when I say Edge, saw it. I mean, I mean, I, I heard what was going on, but I wasn't watching the product. So there were times where I almost started to, to peek an eye out. And say, Should I come back and watch it again? And then that's, that's never got the big push to really do it until pretty much 2019. Um, but I, you know, I always kept the eye on what was going on. Now, I will say, while I wasn't watching the current product, I was still watching my old shit. You know, I was still watching my Hulk Media stuff. I was still watching Randy Savage, my all-time favorite wrestler. You know, I was still watching, you know, Shawn Michaels. So I was still watching the old stuff. In fact, even when I wasn't watching the current product in 2014, I still got the network because I wanted the network solely for the library. You know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, but 2019 came around. I, I, I decided to give it a try. And it's funny because, like, to me, when I look at wrestling today, as opposed to when I was 21 years ago, years ago, I wasn't into the, the, the dirt sheets back then. I didn't give a crap. But to me, when I, when I watch wrestling, I watch wrestling back then as a, with an innocent eye. Like, it is what it is, and that is it. Okay, Chris Jericho comes to WWF. Cool. Okay. Why he does WWF? I don't know. Who cares? He's here. Um, and now, I'm, I was, you know, what well, let me back to wrestling too, especially too today, was that I became more fascinated with the backstage politics and the storytelling not just on the screen but off the screen why was this match booked this way why was this done why did Vince tr- decide this thing you know listen to the Conrad Thompson podcast and all the podcasts out there you see out, out there in the, in the in your nets and whatever you know it, that started to gain my interest and obviously we're here now and uh to the point now where I went from like watching again to like you know what I want to do a podcast on wrestling now and now, now I love the product now now I love I look at Wrestling today with well, way different eye now. You know how do you book Roman Reigns for next year? How you do this? Who 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 should get next push? This and that. You know this. It, it's really fascinating now, and it's tale of two worlds for me, really honestly, in the span of like thirty something years. I'm just completely enthralled uh, by this whole concept here. Once again, seventeen years. That is such a major gap, and like you said, you yeah. right around uh, Rock Hope. So WrestleMania 18, brother. You missed a whole lot of stuff. You missed CM Fire Run. You missed mm-hmm. Ryan's uh, and and him winning the championship. The whole Yes movement. I mean, you missed Banks and Bailey and and Charlotte yeah. and, and 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 Becky when they were coming up from NXT, and then when they made the main roster and and you know having those banger matches. And did you did you see the WrestleMania when? Um, Ronda Rousey, Charlotte, and Becky 
headline WrestleMania. Did you see that? Yeah, I, I did see that, and that was right. That okay. was like literally months before I came back. So it's funny because, like, okay, so while I didn't miss CM Punk, and I, I and again, her, I heard who he was. I mean, you you go on Twitter, you can't avoid this stuff sometimes. You know, on Twitter, even if you're not watching the product. Um, I did, however, did see WrestleMania um thirty um when and, 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 and that was solely because because of Taker and Lesnar. Um, I saw it live because that was the year the, the network was born. And I just that was one of those those times where I said, hmm, maybe I should try to start watching now. And uh, you know, obviously the streaks on the line and Taker, of course, lost to Lesnar, which I was I was rooting for Lesnar to win the match for the record. I mean, that's not very popular to say here, but I who cares? Um <laughs> I'm a big Lesnar guy. Um, but um, you know, I watched that match. I watched I watched at least a good chunk of that of that event. Um, so I did I did catch some of the Daniel Bryan fever a little bit. Um and he, of course, he was again. If you're on Twitter at the time too, especially you can't really uh, really avoid this, especially as a sports fan. You at least get a little bit of the uh, of the you know the feeling and a little bit of the vibe of what's going on in WWE. But you know, but all in all, I was not invested in the, in the way I am now or was even before you know years ago. So, so yeah, a lot, a lot of, and that's the cool thing about watching wrestling today for me is that I now have a lot of stuff I can go back and watch. I've watched a lot of the early NXT stuff, you know, the Sasha Bailey stuff, the in Brooklyn NXT fantastic matches. You know, watching Seth Rollins early run, the Shield. You know, even some of Cena Edge's 2007 uh, run, Randy Orton's build up. I mean, it's 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 been fun to watch in hindsight. And really made me, made me appreciate what these guys have been doing the last, you know, two decades. I just, man, I'm floored. I'm floored by the whole thing because, again, you're you're somebody who, you know, you're you're around my age. You're a couple years older, actually. I'll be 39 in, in December. Uh, but we're the same time period, so we grew up yeah. on on the Hulk Hogan era. We grew up on Ric Flair. Yeah. We grew up on world class championship wrestling and 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 Kerry Von Erich and all that other. Like yeah. we saw wrestling when wrestling was like at its heyday in terms of in-ring product storyline characters the whole nine yards so it's funny to hear you say that the the actual in-ring wrestling of today is better than it's ever been and i agree with you because these these wrestlers of today are, are much better athletes yeah, better athletes the wellness yeah. is better too but the wellness now and you know, sure. these guys aren't going to drugs and stuff now they you know it's it's video games now which is fine you know i these guys sure. are a lot better mental places now than they ever have been the, the business right now is better than it ever has been in terms of being able to make money and to also do it in a healthy way agreed agreed 100 percent. so i gotta ask i mean this is the big elephant in the room ej okay but you're 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 literally a, a unicorn. You're the perfect person to talk to about this. Okay. You you took all that time off. You came back. You you found what you like about the current product. Obviously, there are things that you don't like as well. Mm-hmm. Have you watched AEW at all? So, <laughs> AEW is, <laughs> AEW is the very reason I came back. AEW was is what built the intrigue. When I heard about the the, the 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 company and the promotion, I was like, "Oh, okay, finally another quote unquote competition." I'm in, <laughs> and uh, that so WWE WWE really could, Vince can really give credit to AEW for, for bringing back in the first place because even though AEW was on TV at the time, yet because it took about ten months before that went on TV, um, you know they, they were announced in January of nineteen, October nineteen was the first dynamite. I didn't watch any of the pay-per-views beforehand because there's no point in me watching it because I didn't know what's going on and I'm not going to invest in if there's no weekly storytelling. But at least AEW got, got the ball rolling for me to get back to wrestling. And then I, I started watching, you know, uh, the, my first Raw in, in years on in June of 19. 
Um, so Vince, yeah, credit to Tony Khan for getting me back in the first place. Because <laughs> I watch both products. I love AEW. I'm, I'm a big AEW. Uh, I, I get accused of being an AEW mark on my own podcast, for, for example. Um, and it's different. Um, it, it does have a tinge of attitude error and whatnot. I mean, of course, there's a lot of things I'm critical about AEW as well, too. And I think for me personally, I think, you know, I, I, and I get a lot of people's annoyance at AEW. People don't, don't like it. There's, there's a lot of wrestling podcasts I talk to I'm friends with that don't, just don't want to watch anymore because of the fact um, you know, just the way Tony Khan is or the EVPs are, and I, and I get all that, but I know how to balance that out from what I'm watching in the ring. If I like what's in the ring, if I'm entertaining in the end of the day every week, that's where I'm at. And to me, you know, I don't try to compare the two companies. I mean, they both have different goals and this and that. Um, I love WWE, I love AEW, and I, you know, I'm one of those fans that, that can watch both and not have to be be a total, you know, psycho about on on, on the internet. And I, I can criticize both products in health in a healthy way and keep them moving. You know, I, I appreciate you saying that, and and you're somebody who I can have this conversation with, absolutely. Um, because again, you know, we come from the same generation, so we you, you've actually seen wrestling the way that it should be. Yeah. Um, and, and when I say that, I'm talking all encompassing where you're getting enough of all the elements that make pro wrestling worth watching, you know, in our generation, especially in the eighties going into the nineties, that's what it was. Right. So my biggest what? issue with AEW on a personal uh-huh. level, first and foremost, there were people in that company that, you know, I just absolutely adore, um, you know, somebody like Thunder Rosa. She's one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. Like, I just, I love oh, Thunder God, Rosa. I love my her. sister. I love, um, love, love her. And on a personal level, I, I love the person that she is. And, and you know, we have a pretty good relationship because of our love for helping others. Like, in life, we're, we're here to do that. And so we connect on that level. So there's, there's more interest in her as a person than even as a wrestler. And I love the way that she works as a wrestler. So, you know, people like that. Um, I got a lot of respect for... Arn Anderson, of course, he's one of my favorites of all time. I was I was a four horseman mark. You know, Tony Schiavone, he's a friend of the show. Uh, so there, there are people there that I have good relationships with and respect and am a big fan of. What I don't like about AEW, number one, the fact that we only get one women's match per week on on each of their television shows, and then black male singles wrestlers in particular are not top contenders in any way, shape, or form for any of the singles titles. And, you know, somebody who doesn't understand what that means, it's, it's very easy for them to say, oh, you just want the black wrestlers to, to be champion. And it's like, right. well, it's a little, it's a little bit more uh, complex than that. You can't be champion if you're not a contender. And you can't be a contender if yeah. the company doesn't invest in your development and push you as somebody who matters. And literally puts that type of focus on you. And we know that they do that because you see examples of that. You see people like Darby Allen. You see people like Orange Cassidy. You mm-hmm. see people like MJF. I mean, I could just keep going. And and this these aren't even WWE guys who, as soon as you come in and you have WWE on your resume, you're going to be pushed to the top anyway. I'm just talking Adam, Adam Page. These are people who... Homegrown been, guys. They're homegrown guys, but they've been presented in a manner where they matter so they're always in the mix and we can't name a single black male singles wrestler in aew who's always in the mix they don't exist you know what i mean it's like right i'm with you and i think that's actually a uh a argument that should be had and it's healthy 
Um, I think the, the bigger problem right now is that there's not really a lot of black wrestlers in general on that roster. <laughs> First off, let's start there. Um, now, you know, that was a problem with, with wrestling as a whole, even with dating back to, you know, Vince in 82, you know. I mean, how many how many black wrestlers did you push to the top? It, it took well, well, the first really big one was The Rock, you know. And then beyond that, I mean, so that's been an issue for a long time. But he's now rectified now in recent years. You know, Kofi getting this push, obviously in recent years. You know, Bobby Lashley got got you know got this recent push, and and you you Biggie now you you can name it. Um, I do think, and I, I, this is a good conversation because people I, the people who don't are not going to understand that, or we're not willing to understand the situation why why we you feel this way, and even some degree I feel this way too. I do think in some ways, though, it is a little early, in my opinion, to critique it in the same way with AEW just yet, because it's still pretty young. Um, because I, I still think, they, first of all, they need, they need to hire more black uh, performers in that company, first and foremost. Because who, even if you say, let's push the black black uh, st- you know stars on that roster, who are the ones really could, I mean, other, outside of Hobbs and Scorpio Sky, are there any other uh, uh, black uh, wrestlers on that roster that that you can see realistically getting a major push. Lee Johnson, I guess. I mean, another one. Um, so I think the, the bigger problem for AEW right now is not even so much getting guys in, into the picture, more so just getting guys in the roster in general. I'd like to see more black black wrestlers on that roster first and foremost. Um, but I do think what you're saying about uh, uh, black wrestlers not getting pushes, I agree with you. I think Lee Hobbs is a guy that... Uh, not Lee Hobbs, I'm sorry. Um, Paras Hobbs is a guy that should be in that mix. I mean, this guy was ranked number one. You know, look, I, I, I hate their rankings anyway, so it's stupid. But he was, at one point, I think two months ago, the number one ranked wrestler, um, number one contender for the title back in, I think, August, I think it was, in September. And then that's it. He lost to whatever, I think he lost to uh, either CM Punk or somebody, and then he was he was just out the picture. You know, I thought Scorpio Sky, when they broke up SCU, was going to be the next guy, probably be pushed up to the moon. And it, not granted, he's, he's in a pretty good program with, with Ethan Page and whatnot and and what they're doing there. But, yeah, they they, they kind of start, started with him, too. So the argument you're saying is very valid, you know. But I do think, give this another year or two. This is still a two-year, this is still a young company. It's only two years in. I think another year or two, if you don't see more progress with that, then the argument is even more legitimate because, you know, Again, they need more black wrestlers in general. Now, Jay Cargill could be the first first one to get pushed to the moon because there's that as TBS title. They're doing the tournament right now. And a lot of people believe that she'll be the, the one doing the TBS title. And they, to their credit, they've actually done a good job of making her a big deal, even though she's really green in the ring. But they don't do it up with that. But like, but I, I'm with you. I like to some, them to, see, to put more priority towards that. But they also need to hire more black wrestlers too first to get to that point. You know, we agree on the in terms of hiring more. The women aren't getting featured at all, right? Um, you know, one right. match per week on TV. I mean, how do how do you increase your 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 marketability when you're seen every now and then, as opposed mm-hmm. to you know the Dark Order, who's on TV at least two to three times a, a a month? You know what I mean? That's a big difference there. And then you could be a woman who you could be on TV today and then not seen again on TV for another three months. You know, I was, the last time we saw a big swole on TV. Right. You know yeah. I mean? one. But but let me let me bring it back to a different point, though, because I agree with you that they, they do need more black wrestlers in general. But here's my issue with the men. EJ, there's no reason to wait any longer to have black stars in that company. Um, and, and I don't know if you know this, but Ricky Starks is black. And Ricky Starks, he's, is a top he's, guy. Fantastic. he's fantastic. Yeah, he's a, he's a top guy. He's a top he's guy. He's not he's Absolutely. not he's not featured as one, but he is. 
But my my point is you could have anybody that you can push just like they do everybody else and make them a contender. Um, I'm not saying that they have to be the champion right now, but I am saying that they need to be in the conversation and yeah, nobody in the conversation. I, I totally agree with you on that one. And, 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 that, and that's what this point me about Hobbs, because Hobbs, again, rankings, they matter to him apparently. And he's number one, and then you don't do anything with it. You know what I'm saying? So why why is he there? I, I'd rather not be there if you're not going to use it to its exactly. totality. So I'm totally with you on that one. By the way, Ricky Starks, my, my all-time favorite. Ricky Starks reminds me of The Rock a little bit, the, his, his persona. Tell, I'm just not smaller. Let me, but. Tell you something about, let, let me tell you something about Ricky Starks, and I'll send you this. Um, Ricky Starks had a program <laughs> with Keith Lee a number of years ago on the Indies down in Texas. And oh, wow. it was one of the, it was, it was a fantastic program and I'll, I'll send it to you because they did a clip video and everything. Yeah, please do that. The, yeah. And it, it, when you see this, you start to understand the actual potential that both of these men have. Mm-hmm. Ricky Starks mm-hmm. is a top guy. And on the Indies, he was usually the, the guy headlining. So it's very strange to see him first in the NWA and now in AEW where they're treating okay. him like he's some kind of mid Carter and he's not, he's a top right, guy. Well, they have started pushing. Well, obviously, the injuries have not really helped them last year, but they have started a little bit. I mean, obviously, beat uh, uh, you know Cage and whatnot, and and he's FTW champion. We want to call that, you know. But you know, they, they push him a little bit, but he's definitely a top guy. In my opinion, I look at him. He's like he's a top guy. He's one of the best guys. That does guys on the stick in the whole entire company. He needs to be treated as such. I agree with one hundred percent on that one. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it, it it's a problem. It's something that I think I wouldn't. I wouldn't harp heavy on tony khan just yet on this hopefully this uh you know this you know with the ring of honor now you know on hiatus opportunity here for tony khan to really scoop up some some other guys out there um with a ready voter roster you know but there's a lot of talented black wrestlers out there who are still for the taking that you can still use and put them on top of your card i i, I am with you 100 percent. no i agree i agree and you know shout out to uh shane taylor promotions the whole crew there you know mm-hmm. that's a that's a group of of you know five solid guys that you can plug in right now mm-hmm. and and keep them together as a faction, Absolutely. and you can make a lot of a lot of waves because these guys have been on TV for the past you know year and a half two years now. Um, with everybody else, with Shane, he's been on TV longer. But my point is, they have the experience already; they're ready. Mm-hmm. You know. So it's you're absolutely right. There's this opportunity, especially with Ring of Honor going through their transitions, and and hopefully, and Tony Khan, I know you listen to the show. Listen, man, I don't have a problem with you on a personal level. I just don't like the way you manage that company because I feel like you can you can hold up your end of the bargain a lot better than you do, and that's why I stay on top of you. So you know, obviously, I'm not going to stop talking about this. I talk about it every day. You shouldn't hold your feet to the fire. I'm with you. You got to hold your feet to the fire. And that's why, and that's why I love your show. That's why I love talking to you. Because, because even if you agree, disagree, whatever, it, it comes from a place of you know, you know, intelligence and wanting to do better for the for the uh, the industry and whatnot. And 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 this is healthy. You know, talk about these things. These things are healthy. Absolutely, and and this is our society. I mean, that's that's yes. the thing that I think a lot of people miss. This is a microcosm um, of what we're dealing with throughout our our whole real lives here i mean women are still not getting paid as much as men right women are still you know with equal skills they're still being treated as less than you know black men are still being treated as less than so it's like it's a it's a thing where if you can normalize everybody Mm -hmm. actually getting as close to equal as possible if you can normalize that even in entertainment then you're going to see it be accepted everywhere 
You know what I mean? So it's, it's important for us to continue. Yeah, I, I know you do, man. I mean, listen, you got you got kids. You just dropped your your, your uh, youngest off to preschool and what have you. Yeah. <laughs> you have kids. We got to make sure that the world that they live in when they're an adult is as accessible to them as possible. Absolutely. And they're held accountable for their skill set and not be hindered by some of the things that you and I have had to overcome where we have to not only be good, we have to be, you know, double good. We have to be as you know greater than everybody else just to in, a, in a circle. Absolutely. Um, and yeah. I, you know what, you know, we can criticize Vince McMahon for, for a lot of things through the years, but he has done a fantastic job of, of, of not only getting a lot of uh, wrestlers of color in the company, but now they're being used as top people, Bianca Belair, you name it. I just mentioned Bobby Lashley. I mentioned Big E, you know, the, the, the New Day was voted the number one tag team in the history of the company in a company that's had some fantastic tag teams, legendary tag teams in this company. They're number one ranked uh, tag team uh, in the history of WWE. So Vince, for all the things we criticize Vince McMahon for, and some of us deserved, he has definitely um, um, done a good job of keeping, you know, blackness, especially on WWE programming at the forefront. And he sure has. And, and and part of the reason why is because we we called the WWE to the carpet as well. For many years, we yeah. had our foot up their hind parts about this very same issue. And it got to the point where they realized, you know, something We're a publicly traded company. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to be an equal opportunity employer. Yeah. But that's not reflected on the, the bread and butter, the product that we're putting on TV. And eventually we're going to be held accountable for that. So we better start making some adjustments. Great conversation, EJ, and that's why I enjoy uh, watching your feed, listening to your podcast. Uh, Thank you, man. You're a well-thought-out person, and and clearly, again, you know, we come from the same generation, so it's just easier for us to communicate because we have all that history that we personally lived through and witnessed, so it's it's easier to understand um, where we've been, and we can put things in perspective and understand where pro wrestling should be going. Uh, why don't you let everybody know, EJ, what, what's the best way that they can catch your show and also keep up with you on social media? Well, on Twitter, of course, at each person seven, uh, wrestling podcast. Like I said, you can follow that any podcast catcher. If you love wrestling, especially when you obviously love wrestling, you listen to this podcast. Um, um, take the wrestling podcast on, we publish that every Friday. We record every Thursday night, record, put out every Friday. And, uh, you know, I'm on Twitter a lot. To get at me. Um, I'll definitely love to talk about wrestling, talk about anything else of that nature. Well, listen, before I let you go, I got to ask, man, what's what's for dinner tonight? Because when you got a preschooler there, so I know that that can be kind of a challenge there. You know, kids have their own <laughs> ideas of what they want to eat. What's, what's what's for dinner tonight, man? Or, or what do you what do you what do you make that uh, really? keeps the uh, preschooler at bay there when it's time for dinner. So I got two kids. I got an eight-year-old, third grader. I got a, and I got a four-year-old preschooler, uh, four-year-old. And my, eight, my eight-year-old is the picky eater. He loves eating only mac and cheese. Just mac and cheese. That's all he eats. Mac and cheese and, you know, maybe bread here and there and sometimes pizza. But he's he's the picky eater. My four-year-old eats anything put in front of him. You put you give him pasta, you give him this, chicken, you name it. He's game. So he's easy. He's the easy one because of feeding. The eight-year-old is, is the hassle. He's the one that have, you have to sit there and literally, you know, bribe him or sell him food. Like, you know, hey, check this out. Try, try this out. This is good for you. You know, he's like, nah, I don't like it. it you know, he's, he's very picky. Like, and with pasta, too, especially, he has to make sure it's pasta he likes. He has to 
be the right shape. And he's one of those one of those eaters, man. We work, we're still working on him right now. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, maybe you'll be a food reviewer someday. You never know. This this could be. Dude, you never know. Maybe maybe, maybe 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 one day he'll snap out of it. Like, oh, okay, I get it now. <laughs> Now me, I eat, I mean, I'm picky to some extent, but I love my food, man. Love my food, especially Caribbean food. So, <laughs> same here, same yeah, here. Man. Okay, yeah, man. Okay, listen, EJ, you're a good dude, man. I appreciate you appreciate joining you. Duke Clubs Wrestling. And thank you so much, and you have me on my podcast soon too, especially as well. So, looking forward right. to that. I'm gonna hold you to that, man. We got it. No, no, it's, it's gonna be soon. It's gonna be soon because I, I, I mean, I need some wrestling talk on this, especially too. So, that's right. Listen. Thanks again, EJ. You got it, brother. Take it easy. Great dude there. Great dude there. Once again, shout out to EJ. Appreciate you joining us here on Duke Loves Wrestling. Uh, really interesting story there. And, and, and you know, just a balanced take on everything, which I do appreciate. You know, we don't have to agree on everything, folks. That doesn't mean that we, we can't communicate with each other. It's funny because on, on the other show, Tells the Truth, I interviewed uh, Joseph Ellis. And Joseph Ellis is a world-renowned historian. In fact, he, he won the Pulitzer Prize. Um, so just a, a really, really sharp guy. And he has a new book out about the American Revolution. And, you know, the name of the book is The Cause. And he's just a, a really, really good guy. And, and one of the things we talked about, I asked him, I said, what do you want people to take away from your book, you know, after they read it? And he said, well, hopefully... The main thing is people understand that it's okay to disagree because the founding fathers of the United States of America did not all agree. They were not of one mind. They constantly disagreed on things. And that really was the point. You have to have people with different perspectives find common ground and move things forward. It's the way it should be. I don't know where we got to the point where People feel that it's, you know, you, you can't disagree with each other. And if somebody attacks your idea, that means they're attacking you personally or something like that. And it's just, it's silly. It's silly. It's unreasonable. It's immature. And unfortunately, it sets the entire concept of society back when you only want to hear nice things. You only want to hear echo chambers and, and, you know, when, when people disagree with you, they need to politely keep it to themselves and nonsense like that's nonsense. It's complete nonsense. I don't care who you are. Um, you were not blessed with all the answers and neither was I. So we're going to have moments where we see things differently and it's OK to openly discuss that and unpack that because ultimately we're going to get closer to whatever the truth is when we willingly engage in something like that and for all of you who have to run to a corner and hide because it's just too much it's too overwhelming i need to take a break because they're disagreeing with me get a grip snap out of it no i'm not giving you any kind of room or understanding or no get a grip snap out of it okay because every time you talk to me if there's something that you say that doesn't make sense to me or something that's off or there's a perspective that you share that's off, whether it's to me directly or, or you put it out in public sphere, I'm going to talk about it. Okay. And you're welcome to do the same to me. I really don't care one way or another, but the main idea is it is okay to challenge each other's positions, ideas, concepts, 
as long as we keep it focused on the ideas and the concepts. Doesn't mean we have to attack each other personally, but we, we damn sure better continue to attack each other's ideas. Why not? Challenge. Push against. Why not? It's the way it should be. So, I, you know, and I, I bring that up because this week in particular, there's just been a lot of nonsense going on. Um, be, people having difficulty addressing and dissecting and accepting the fact that there were different perspectives on particular topics. One of the things that happened this week was um, Onita had that match with Tremont. These these deathmatch guys, you know, and, and everybody knows I'm not a deathmatch person. I'm not really into this stuff. I've had deathmatch wrestlers on the show. I try to, you know, for you, the audience, try to expose you to diversity within the community of pro wrestling. And that does include different types of wrestlers, not just race or, or religion or even sex, but different types of, of wrestlers. Um, so these deathmatch guys, Tremont, he had some kind of exploding barbed wire match with Onita, who's a legend. And, you know, Tremont ended up going to the hospital because he was in so much pain and, and that's where he's been. And surprise, surprise. I mean, this is what happens when you willingly set yourself on fire. I mean, what do you expect is going to happen, right? I don't know how you fake that. I know that there's different ways that you can try to, you know, make it out to be like a stunt in a movie or something like that. But even then, it's just it's dangerous and it's ridiculous. And it's a pretty ridiculous way to make a living. And I know that that Tremont guy had retired from wrestling, if you can even call it that. But he came back just so he can go sit in the hospital with, with, with you know, third and fourth degree burns all over his body. Good job. I hope that was worth it. It's ridiculous, right? It's absolutely ridiculous. And and, and I, I, listen, do I blame the wrestlers for, for putting themselves in these dangerous situations? Absolutely. Do I blame the promoters for promoting this sick and twisted way for people to harm one another? Absolutely. But I blame the fans too. You, you, you folks who, who were so-called fans, I mean... You got to bear some of this responsibility because at the end of the day, these sick individuals, and that's, you know, in my opinion, that's what they are. There's something wrong with somebody who wants to set themselves on fire. <laughs> There's something wrong with you there. Uh, these sick individuals, they wouldn't do that unless they had an audience. Let me say that again. They wouldn't do it unless they had an audience. Part of the Part of the thrill of doing these things is they want somebody to see it. And they want reaction. So one of the best ways to make this kind of nonsense go away is just stop reacting to them. Stop stop encouraging this. Stop buying the tickets. Stop streaming the shows. Stop sharing the stuff. It's time for, for this whole deathmatch concept to go away because it's it's sick and it's crazy. And unfortunately, when you when you start peeling back the layers, you realize that a lot of these folks you know, they're, they're in rough shape and they got some pretty significant issues. Surprise, surprise. A lot of these folks are addicted to all kinds of substances and things like that. And, and, you know, I mean, they're in chronic pain because of what they put their bodies through. This is beyond pro wrestling. This is like, you know, self mutilation. And I don't understand it. You know, it, it, it legitimately is the craziest thing in the world. And, and I don't understand anyone who says they're a fan of this stuff. 
especially if you're a grown adult. Now, I understand a kid who doesn't know much. Listen, when I was a kid, I thought it was cool to see Ric Flair bleeding all over the place. But as I got older, I'll never forget. I did a I did a uh, I did a, a book report in, in my English class. Did a whole presentation. I think it was a, it was a research paper, actually. Excuse me, it's a research paper on pro wrestling, and I I brought up Ric Flair, and I talked about you know him blading and, and bleeding all over the place and what have you. And I'll never forget my English teacher who we would always have great conversations, and and she was a a big supporter of mine, very helpful for me as as a young person, always encouraged me, what have you. And she looked at me, she was like, "So wait a second." They cut themselves in the head on purpose and they just bleed all over the place. Like they do that on purpose. I said, yeah, it's cool. And she just kind of gave me this look. And I remember that look and I was like, whoa. And I'll never forget it because it made me stop. And it made me really think about what is this thing that I'm saying is so cool? What's so cool about that? This isn't a this isn't a movie or a TV show where they're faking the special effects or something like that. This is a real person cutting their real head and bleeding real blood in the in the for the sake of quote unquote entertainment. And it's not like this is a regulated sport like boxing or even MMA today or something like that. No, it's it's nothing like that. So she's looking at me and it hit me and I said, you know what, this is not cool. This is sick. There is a problem with this. And there is something wrong with people who do something like this. And and for people who are encouraging others to do stuff like this and promoting this type of stuff, there is something wrong with that. And we should be openly expressing the fact that there's something wrong with this. This doesn't this isn't normal. This isn't something that functioning adults should be doing to themselves. It's kind of crazy, you know? Because at the end of the day, if if that's what you need to do in order to entertain people, then I got to ask, well, what kind of skill sets do you have? And, and, and why aren't you focusing more on developing your skills? If you got to cut yourself and bleed all over the place, something's wrong. So now fast forward to this whole deathmatch crap. If you got to jump through exploding barbed wire and you got to set yourself on fire and take light tubes and bash over your head. Like if that's the best way you can entertain others. It may be time to go find another thing to do because I don't know, man, it just doesn't seem to make any sense. And I know I'm offending a few people and that's okay. We can disagree and let's openly talk about it. I'll invite anybody. Anybody who wants to come on the show, I've done it before. And you want to have a a discussion about this deathmatch stuff and you want to explain to me why it's so cool. You're welcome to come on, but just understand I'm going to, I'm going to push back on that. Because I think it's just a bunch of baloney. And all of your this is awesome chances are not going to pay for uh, the scar tissue and what have you that that Tremont guy is dealing with from all those burns from the fire. So just keep that in mind. I mean, we see a lot of nonsense. Look, look at, you know, poor John Moxley. And my best to him and his family. You know, the guy had to check himself into rehab. Tony Khan put that out this week. And he said it was for, for alcohol abuse, but... I don't know about that. And and again, I know I'm going to offend a few people and that's okay. Um, I don't know about that. You know, one of the things that I've said about John Moxley for years, Dean Ambrose, whatever you want to call him, the guy is in 
coherent when he speaks. It's it's a challenge to follow along and, and really understand whatever the heck he's talking about, because he just he doesn't sound like somebody who is completely, you know, sober <laughs> when he's doing a promo or when he's doing an interview or whatever. I, I saw uh, that Barstool Sports thing he just did where he, he was being interviewed about his book and the guy was just all over the place. And I know that that offends some people and that's okay. Be offended. But at some point, we got to say, hey, this isn't okay. This is not all right. That's not what we want to present to the world, especially young people. Be that way. Come on. Even back in the WWE, the guy was talking like somebody who, I don't know, man. Like he was he was chopped and screwed or something. You know what I mean? He was kind of in slow motion. He was, what? Ozzy Osbourne or something. I don't know. Didn't make any sense to me. And that's part of the reason why I never liked the guy. Two reasons. Number one, because he always degraded wrestling matches and, and, and brought them down to just hardcore nonsense, which never made sense to me. And then two, because the man's incoherent, as if he's under the influence. Again, somebody's going to take offense to that. That's okay. So here we are now. They're saying that he has to check himself into a facility. I mean, he just put out a book where he talked about smoking crack. So, I mean, it, it, do you really, am I really going to believe that it's just alcohol that this guy has an issue with? No, I'm not going to just believe that. And when you look at what he's put his body through out there, it's pretty clear to me that it's at least possible that he's dabbling in other things. <laughs> you know, what a surprise. I mean, that, that guy's going to be in a lot of pain with, with some of the nonsense that he's been doing. And and let me say this, because I know a few folks got a little offended because numerous people, including myself, have, you know, tweeted out the WWE wellness policy where WWE outlines exactly what is and is not acceptable and what will happen if you're found with certain substances in your body and what have you. You know, they detail what's banned and what have you. AEW does not have that. Now, from what I understand in the contracts, there is a clause that you can be tested at any point. But that's the extent of a policy. And I think that's a, that's a problem. Of all the things for Tony Khan to be the alternative to, you don't want to you don't want to have an alternative to a, a wellness policy, Tony. <laughs> Come on. You can do better than that. And, and I'm, I'm significantly surprised and disappointed because Tony is involved in sports. He has a football team and he has a soccer team. His father owns them, but Tony works for the, both of those organizations, right? So you would think having some kind of wellness policy is just, you know, second nature. Why wouldn't you want a wellness policy? Do you not care enough about the talent to make sure that you're holding everybody accountable to be as clean as possible? I don't understand it. And that's not foolproof. There's always ways around everything, but at least it shows that you've you've put in a good effort to try to maintain a healthy environment. Because, you know, these folks are throwing themselves around. They're, they're, they're constantly in pain. We know that. So there is that that penchant for possibly possibly going in the wrong direction and drug abuse, alcohol abuse and what have you. You got to have a policy, Tony. Come on. And some people took offense to that. Some people were very disappointed, very upset. 
you shouldn't turn this into a WWE versus AEW thing. You know, and, and, and to anyone who feels that way, uh, good. I hope you I hope it, it burns you to the core that we are calling out AEW for not having a wellness policy, at least not one that's on record. <laughs> good. I hope it bothers you that we're doing that. It, it, listen, do you care about the safety and the health and the overall well-being of the wrestlers? Do you? Because if you do, then these are some of the things that you, you talk about. Somebody said to me, you know, you look at that roster in AEW and, and it's almost like WCW in a lot of ways in the sense that it looks like the wild, wild west over there. Substance abuse was rampant in WCW until they started, they started tightening it up. It wasn't WWE as well. But when you started having issues with people passing away and the enlarged hearts and, you know, Benoit, that whole situation, WWE became a publicly traded company. They had to clean that up, man. They had to at least put something on the record stating that, look, we don't we don't tolerate this anymore. For a company who has just come around, you're a modern company in AEW, for you not to have something like that in place, it is embarrassing. It's embarrassing. doesn't make sense. So, you know, and I hope that things change because there's some great people in that company. And I think that there may be some other people who need some help in that company. And if if it takes a policy in order to flesh that out and then, you know, if people want to continue to work there, get them the help that they need, then I think that's it's positive. Everybody wins in that situation. But don't sit here. And act like you care about these folks and you're and you're not even doing the bare minimum. And somebody, you know, speculated, well, maybe part of the reason why they don't have a policy is because how can someone who runs the company and who may have their own issues turn around and try to enforce a policy on others? Now, listen, I don't know that to be true. This is what other people are saying. I will say this, though. If that is the truth, then I hope they get help as well. <laughs> Clean it up. Clean it up. You know? And some people are going to disagree, and that's okay. And, and hey, you're welcome to come on the show and talk about it as well. I mean, it, there's no... Look, I'm not going to tiptoe. I'm not going to walk on eggshells. I'm not going to play games just because you can't handle somebody with a perspective that may be different from yours. Because I welcome all perspectives. And we can all line up and we can sit down and talk about it. But that's the main idea. Line up, sit down, let's talk about it. I'm not looking for an echo chamber. I don't care if everybody agrees with me or disagrees with me. At the end of the day, right is right and wrong is wrong. And it's okay to have these types of conversations. I think that it's, it's ridiculous that in 2021 we even have to talk about this at this point. I think it's absolutely ridiculous because it shows that no matter how much we've advanced and we move forward, we still got a long way to go. And that's unfortunate because at the end of the day, these wrestlers deserve far better than the conditions that they continue to operate under. And we as fans deserve far better because at the end of the day, 
These are the folks that we do look up to and that we do care about and that we do spend a lot of time, money, effort into following and supporting to a certain degree. But the ultimate support is doing what you can to contribute to their overall safety. And if that means that we have to shame the company that they are under contract to and and force them to develop an actual policy that's detailed, can be posted publicly so there's no confusion, then that's what we're going to do. And again, you don't like it, that's okay. You like it, that's okay too. But this is what it is. (laughs) I'm the same guy. I've been the same guy the whole time and I'm, I'm going to continue to be the same guy. And anyone who has, a, has an issue with that, good for you. Once again, thank you to uh, EJ for joining us this week. Duke loves wrestling, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whole nine yards there. Let me know what you think. Do you agree? Do you disagree? If you want to come on the show, you want to argue in favor of deathmatch wrestling, argue in favor of, of major wrestling companies not having wellness policies, come on the show. Let's talk about it. I'm always open to to discussion, okay? Always. But just understand, (laughs) if you're one of those people that, you know, has a breakdown over somebody having a different perspective than you, bring extra tissues if you come on this show because certainly you're going to need them. Take it away, Tony Schiavone. This is Tony Schiavone, and we're definitely out of time on Duke Love Wrestling. Hello out there in TV land. Wait a minute. It's radio. No, it's a podcast. Catch my new podcast, Everything is a Gimmick with Brad Shepard. We're going to take an in-depth look at behind the dirt sheet scenes and all the headlines. And what me and Brad are going to do, we're going to look for the real truth. Nothing but the truth. So help us God. Every Tuesday on Patreon.com slash Big B Mafia. It starts at a dollar a month, guys. You got to come. You got to see it to believe it. Brad Shepard, Big B. Come and see us now. Check it out.